0: Hello everyone. So with the hurricane, we're gonna go on a bit of a different schedule. Um, this is an episode I previously recorded with Bethany from Prince Kai Fan Pod. Um, it is about Pride and Pre- uh, Premeditation, which is a Pride and Prejudice retelling. I think you all will enjoy. And hopefully next week we will be back with our regularly scheduled content. But without further ado, this is a previously recorded Patreon episode hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the barely bookish podcast over on patreon today we are talking about pride and premeditation with bethany from the prince kai fan pod podcast
1: hi thank you for having me yeah thank you for coming
0: i say that like we met at like a coffee shop you know what Um, i mean like
1: i do have coffee so i mean it's a virtual coffee meetup i would love it if it was like at a coffee shop that would be fun
0: oh my gosh yeah and that's and then you have like the good aesthetic like background noise of like people like quietly talking and like as opposed to like
1: sometimes when i record and the background noise is my husband playing video games and
0: sometimes my background noise is a moon like trying to get on top of like the desk behind me and then like (laughs) missing and then so it's just like slam 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 slam
1: very often um in my show notes i'll just put like special guest appearance by scamp finger because he talks so much and yeah. so randomly you'll just hear him like grumbling <laughs> in the background oh
0: yeah i got a couple of recordings where you could just hear moon calling me from the hallway because she gets mad when uh she leaves the room and i don't go with her oh. but i'm like then don't leave the room just hang out in here with me
1: Scamp just gets mad when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, mm-hmm. if he thinks it's time for bed and you're still awake, then he's mad at you.
0: That's fair. You know?
1: if, if he thinks that it's time to play and you're like watching TV or reading a book, he's mad at you. Oh.
0: If, uh,
1: if he thinks that it's time for dinner and you're not feeding him, he's mad at you. If you won't let him bark out the window, he's mad at you. Like, he's just, he's very bossy and he likes mm-hmm. things his way. And when he doesn't get his way, he's like he will pout. He will straight oh, up pout. He will be like, "No, don't pet me. I'm mad at you." He'll like sulk in the corner. You like throw a toy, and he just like dead pans at you. Like, "I'm not playing. I'm mad oh, at you." That's yeah. so cute. It's like heartbreaking though, because then I'm like, I'm trying to record, and he's like, "Play with me," and I'm like, "Oh, great. Now I'm a bad mom. Thanks."
0: Yeah, Moon's been like, we have people over, and she's getting to this point where like she's like, "Oh, people, people, people," and she like gets so excited and like hangs out and zooms around and then moments after they leave she sleeps for like four hours on the couch she's like i'm so exhausted
1: <laughs> i love so, when animals get exhausted for no reason i'm like mm-hmm. beowulf goes to bed beowulf's our other dog and he goes to bed every night at 8 30 every night like clockwork 8 8 15 rolls around he wants to go outside he comes mm-hmm. inside he gets a bite he gets a drink he like comes to everyone and then he'll go to scamp and try to get like a uh, like some attention from scamp then he goes to our room he kicks my pillow into the middle of the bed and he goes to sleep every night like clockwork this is his routine (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) so funny you
1: haven't done anything all day all day you've been sleeping you have been asleep all day at 8 15 you're like "Mm, time for bed
0: (laughs) yeah, really worn out.
1: You woke up like three times to get food and go outside, and you're like, "Ugh, long day." Can't wait to lay in bed now.
0: (laughs) That's Moon. She just like all day she sleeps. She gets like an hour of zoomies in between naps, and then she's like, "All right, she's she's like good enough for me."
1: So they get dinner they have kibble like 24 7 they can get kibble but they get chicken and vegetables twice a day and they mm-hmm. get dinner at 5 p.m so from like five thirty to 6 they have the zoomies and then they go right back to laying down like they'll I'm give sorry. me a good half hour and then they're like mom we're old now we don't do this anymore go go find something to do <laughs> yeah,
0: for her it's like she it depends what she gets so if i give her her like kitten kibble uh, then she's like, cool, cool. But if I give her a pate dinner, she's like, oh, I'm real stuffed now. You're I need to take stuff. a little nap. <laughs> I think it's so cute, though.
1: Speaking of good stuff, mm-hmm. this book!
0: Yes! So good. I'm so obsessed.
1: So today we're talking about Pride and Premeditation by Terza mm-hmm. Price, which is a Pride and Prejudice murder mystery retelling, and it is phenomenal
0: mm-hmm. my first thing i have to say is i like the way they like uh this author didn't she like they hit the main things but they didn't feel the need to go and hit every single thing mm-hmm. like like collins didn't have to marry charlotte you know wickham didn't have to take lydia away like but there was enough of it getting close enough that like it it was obviously a prime pre- prejudice brutality. retelling, retelling.
1: I also like that it was um, modernized in terms of like what uh, language style was used and Mm -hmm. sentence structure. I think that makes it like easier to digest for today's readers and um, today's audience. And I think that, you know, today's readers and audience, we want to see more strong, independent women, Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't common way back in the day not because there weren't strong independent women but because society didn't allow them to have a voice and so getting this perspective where it's not quite in the 18th century you know it's it's a little bit further in years and you get to see like uh, sort of a different side to these characters like mm-hmm. in the original pride and prejudice elizabeth was kind of a social pariah because she spoke her mind and women were not supposed to do that They weren't Mm -hmm. supposed to talk at all, let alone give their opinions all the time. And um, in this retelling, it's kind of similar, but also she wants to work. She wants to practice law. Mm -hmm. She wants to um, participate and have an activity outside of the home. And that's also what makes her um, outside of the normal society. She's not accepted.
0: Yeah. Yeah it was just so good i know so good and okay i honestly wasn't sure like i don't know how they're gonna carry on the next one and i know you got an arc so you read a little bit but i was like are we gonna fully like forget everybody in this and then move on it's just okay. a completely
1: different story yeah it's it's kind of like you know because the original pride and prejudice and sense and sensibility they're two independent novels that don't mm-hmm. have a connection to each other yeah um, And so it's kind of similar, you know, the retellings are not, they don't necessarily uh, take place. I guess they're companion novels because they're both retellings from the same author. Mm -hmm. um, And from inspirations of the same author, they're both Jane Austen. Um, Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I would consider it like a series. But um, yeah, in terms of like, the characters or the plot structure or anything like that no one makes a return as far as i know i'm only about 18% of the way in but mm-hmm. um so far none of that has been present
0: okay yeah i wasn't sure so that's good to know
1: yeah i kind of like it that way though because mm-hmm. like we said the originals didn't have that connection so yeah. it would have felt very forced i think um mm-hmm. because also Those characters just because they're from the same area and the same time doesn't mean they belong in the same world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't necessarily think that like Jane and Marianne and Eleanor I don't necessarily think that they could all be in the same story together and have the same interactions like I don't think they belong in the same story.
0: I I was worried it was, if they were, then it was going to kind of make them all background characters and still be like a Lizzie Bennet story a bit.
1: Yeah, and I think that Sense and Sensibility, the original writing, um, was a little less uh, main character centered. Like, if you read Pride and Prejudice, it's very clear that the main character is Elizabeth Bennet. Mm -hmm. But if you read Sense and Sensibility, it kind of goes back and forth between Marianne and Eleanor. So they both kind of feel like the main characters, Mm -hmm. um, maybe Eleanor a little bit more than Marianne. But it's almost like every other chapter in the original Sense and Sensibility. It's like, this is Marianne's perspective. This is Eleanor's perspective, even though it's all written in third person. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, this book has like more... This book that we're talking about today, Pride and Premeditation, has more of a, a central focus because mm-hmm. everyone else is a background character, including Darcy, because yeah. this is Elizabeth's story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really like the way this was done. It was just amazing.
1: It's like, beautiful.
0: I'm so excited for the next book.
1: I want I, I, I really can- hope that you get a copy, but it does come out in three months, I think. So worse comes worse, I'm some just going to get it. The date, real quick. Mm-hmm. um and second degree murder comes out april 5th 2022 so, excellent
0: worse where's some source? i'll read it then but if i can get a review copy
1: <laughs> it's really good so i hope good. that you do get a review copy and if not it it you know things happen but it's definitely good um then definitely worth picking up as was this one Mm -hmm. My mom really only reads two types of books. She likes classic literature and she likes murder mystery. So I really need to get her a copy of this book. (laughs)
0: She's not big
1: on young adult, but.
0: I think this like is a good, like hits both though. Like this is a perfect combination. So. Yeah.
1: And I think that, um, like we said, this, the way that she modernized some of the sentence structure and the language Mm -hmm. used to appeal to a, a younger audience, I think was perfect
0: oh yeah absolutely so basically the premise of this is that everyone is working at a law firm uh and then in this collins is her dad's younger partner and takes credit for all of lizzie's work which is not surprising at all um and he's supposed to inherit the business essentially Mm um mrs bennett does not want her to work there at all uh really just wants her to be like a Quote a proper lady. Yep. <laughs> oh, Get a wait, husband.
1: Um, I guess I could read the insert real quick, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Get my reader voice on. Pride and Prejudice gets a murder mystery makeover in this new series based on Jane Austen's most beloved books. When a scandalous murder shocks London high society, 16 year old law enthusiast Lizzie Bennett sees the perfect opportunity to prove herself as a formidable litigator despite the fact that women are only allowed in court as witnesses. Unfortunately for Lizzie, the man accused of the crime already has a fledgling lawyer, Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, the stern young heir training to take over the prestigious firm Pemberley & Associates. Convinced the authorities have blamed the wrong person, Lizzie vows to steal Darcy's client and solve the murder so that she can earn a position of her own. But as the case, and her feelings for Darcy, become more complicated, Lizzie discovers that her dream job could make her happy, but it might also get her killed. Irresistibly romantic and clever, Pride and Prejudice is Terza Price's first novel and a magical one. So I good. That, that she's 16. Um, that's another change because in the original, she's 21.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also thinking. kind of forgot she's 16.
1: I completely like spaced on that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good, you guys. Do we do a spoiler warning?
0: yeah, honestly, all of my episodes are spoilers, but
1: yeah, let's do um little... yeah, let's do a spoiler warning right now uh, yeah. for my patreon people if you're if you're listening and you don't want to get spoiled, please stop, go read Pride and premeditation yeah. or listen to the audiobook um and then come back and join us. or if you don't care about spoilers, then
0: hey, what's up? listen yeah, on. continue on <laughs> oh. My goodness. Okay. Honestly, I just feel like we should start. Do you want to start at the beginning or do you want to start at the end? I mean, both are amazing. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to start at the end because I literally finished it right this morning. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Because I, I was like, I was doing good, doing good. And then I had a recording of the Innade last night or yesterday afternoon. And I was like, oh, I'll finish. But I only have like a like 10 pages left. So Yeah. So I just woke up at eight.
1: Let's talk about the end then.
0: Oh, okay. First off, Darcy not proposing. I was kind of shocked. but like I was relieved. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I was like, oh, they're going to, you know, I was waiting. And then it's like Finn. And I was like, okay. But it's like, it's not like I was mad about the change because I feel like it made sense. You know? I
1: feel like this particular story was about Lizzie finding her footing as a litigator. Mm -hmm. And she just happened to fall for Darcy in the process. So the ending needed to be her achieving the goal of Mm -hmm. becoming a litigator, not her getting a husband. Yeah, I think think that's why she chose that ending. And I think that's why I like that ending so much. Mm -hmm. Because if they had gotten engaged, I probably would have been like, well, that's great, but you know, I'm really happy that they got engaged, but I'm still trying to celebrate the fact that she's getting taken seriously as a litigator now.
0: Yeah. I think it would have taken too much focus away, like you kind of said. And uh I think it would have just like brought Darcy like really abruptly abruptly? Yeah. Into the story. <laughs> you ever say a word and you're like, that doesn't sound like right.
1: I do that sometimes. Um And I I always am like, is that a word? Who cares? You guys know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with my husband. My husband and I do it all the time. And uh, usually it's him and he tries to keep talking. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, The other day he was trying to say, he couldn't decide if he wanted to say wonderful or lovely and mm-hmm. so he it, whatever came out of his mouth it was like woverly and I, and he tried to keep talking and i was like you're just no, gonna no. try and slide past that and he's like i didn't know which one to say and i was like was it between wonderful and lovely and he's like yeah and then like two days ago something happened and i was like it was woverly <laughs> <laughs> so it's just in our house oh, it's a word now
0: i love that it's so funny <laughs> But he's
1: kind of, I think that you're right. I think that it's kind of abrupt and I think that it's kind of, um, maybe we as the reader anticipate it because we've read Pride and Prejudice before. mm -hmm. So we know he's going to make an appearance, but also uh, we have to take into mind that there might be people who are reading this that haven't read the original and don't really care about the original. Mm -hmm. They just think the premise of this is good. And I think what makes this so great as a retelling Is that you don't need to know anything about the original story at all Mm -hmm. to enjoy this one? It stands perfectly on its own.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of retellings where it's like if you didn't read the source material, you're gonna be like really confused on why things are happening.
1: Right. Right. You
0: know, like if you start like if you did um what's that called? It's is it Bridget Jones? Yeah, she gets put back in time? No. What's the one she gets put back in time? Bridget Jones is a Pride and Prejudice
1: retelling for the mm-hmm. modern era. Um, yes, Renee Zellweger and Colin
0: Firth and Hugh Grant. Which one? Oh man, what's that one called? It's like BBC. I did. I literally did a Patreon episode on it.
1: Did you? Yeah. And it's Pride on. and Prejudice, and they go back in time.
0: Yeah. One second. I can tell you right now. I I have my Patreon and then another tab. Hold on. Uh, published lost in austin oh,
1: that's what I it haven't is Read that one or no is that a it's movie? a movie
0: yeah i haven't yeah. seen
1: that one um i was also gonna say like there are some where if you haven't read the source material you're very you're gonna be very confused by a lot of the content that's mm-hmm. in the books like pride and prejudice and zombies or mm-hmm. um death comes to pemberley which is technically a uh a continuation but it's the type of book where it should have stood alone based on like the premise and the content. And it didn't, I think mm-hmm. there was a lot of exposition missing so that if you hadn't mm-hmm. read Pride and Prejudice, you wouldn't understand the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, what works for this story is that if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice, it's 100% enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It completely stands on its own and you're not missing any information or content or, even like a theme or feeling when you're reading the book. Um, but if you have read Pride and Prejudice, you get to see all of those little nuances as you, as you travel through the story. And I think that's what makes it special.
0: Yeah, for sure. I just, I really like everything about this novel. Like there's not something I don't like really.
1: And it's like the opposite of our Pride and Prejudice and mistletoe. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> it's we're like, like, just it's okay. something we like about this. Um, which I'm sorry but I still am not uh, a huge fan of that book Um, or movie but I do love this one Um, let's talk about some of the characters that they decided Mm -hmm. that they that Terza decided to I don't know include in different ways for starters Charlotte works Mm -hmm. at her father's law firm as a secretary (laughs) and Colin is kind of a creep
0: yeah Collins is big, creepy. He
1: like, he like uh, flirts with uh, Charlotte while she's working all the time Mm -hmm. and is like very inappropriate with her and then like randomly proposes to Elizabeth out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. He basically is like, look, you want to be a lawyer? That's adorable. Mm -hmm. I think it's super cute. Uh, Your dad wants to give me his firm because I'm Mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, And so, yeah, the best thing we could do is get married. And she's like, why would we get married? He's like, what did I just say? Yeah, he's like, listen. I just said, that's why we should get married like
0: right but, he's um, like you <laughs> want to be a lawyer I am a lawyer therefore you no it's longer have that. to be <laughs> I,
1: I I love the changes to the characters I feel like Collins is such a um not a creep in the original Pride and Prejudice but just kind of uh annoying you know mm-hmm. he's he's the exact opposite of darcy he's boring and overly social but has no actual understanding of social cues or mm-hmm. um how to behave in public and he's like almost cringy with his mannerisms and behaviors and in this retelling i think he's cringy but in different ways
0: yeah i can definitely see that i i feel like in the original he's like to me, he's a tiny bit creepy, but, like, of the time where he's still, like, really proper, but you can tell that, like, he's just all about himself. But, like, it's not to the level where this one is, where it's, like, you feel like you would have to go to HR about him. <laughs>
1: like- Definitely need to go to HR. Definitely need to report that Um yeah I would say he's a very self serving character in both mm-hmm. stories, but I agree that in the first in the original Pride and Prejudice I'm not worried for like my safety necessarily yeah um whereas in this one, I think he's kind of he's more of like a a sexual predator than, mm-hmm. than anything else
0: yeah for sure i'm just Ooh. i don't Jeez.
1: necessarily think it's aggressive like i i wouldn't you know be con- i wouldn't call the cops, but like you said, you report it to you would report that to human resources
0: he feels like that guy that like when you're walking through the office he like lays his hand on your back for a little too long and you're like
1: like i didn't invite you to do that
0: yeah like i will call the police right now right right.
1: like the kind of guy where you're like standing on a ladder and he's like let me help you with that and it's like i don't think so yeah Um, no yeah let's talk about uh the sisters what did you think of the way that she included all of the siblings in this one
0: i kind of like that it's like we didn't get like super in depth with any of them but we get like you know kitty and lydia being basically the same person again uh with them just being like obsessed with who's calling and then i like the line where like she said something about mary wanting to comfort her sisters by like reading the bible scriptures (laughs)
1: I love that Kitty and Lydia are in this book are, like, completely interchangeable. And in Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice, I feel like Lydia's the leader and Kitty's the follower. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in this book, like, they are. They're 100% interchangeable. And, you know, like you said, we don't have the, like, Lydia Wickham, um, like, scary ending that we get in the original Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I think that that... I think that that is good for this story. I think it would I think it would take away from the story if we were also focused on that in addition yeah. to everything else that we're dealing with with Wickham.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I do like that she like nodded to it by having Wickham flirt with her when he was mm-hmm. supposed to be calling on Lizzie. Like I like that anything she changed, like this author changed, is they still like nodded to it a bit. I like
1: that, yeah, she was like, Look, I get that this was in the original, so here you go. Like instead mm-hmm. of having the two of them flirt and then um, run away together and then have this like scandalous elopement that doctor or the doctor that Darcy had to um, uh, not cover up, but sort of uh, atone for to, to mm-hmm. save their their reputation and their family's reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, it's just like, you know, they flirted for like a second, but the author was like, but I'm not going to do that to Lydia. I was like, "Thank you,
0: big appreciate." Because
1: Lydia has suffered enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, like no, it's and it's every Pride and Prejudice retelling. I feel like that comes back up. So I like that it didn't. I guess not in Pride and Prejudice or Middle silto, but you know,
1: in the book, it was like this weird twin situation where they were like vandalizing, and she was yeah.
0: like,
1: <clears throat> "She was like, I'm going to keep them out of prison," and I'm like, "I mean, they're 16, so they're going to juvie, but." They cost thousands of dollars in damages and you paid for it. That's not helping anybody. I know. They're not going to learn their lesson. All they found out is like, oh, if my brother has a nice girlfriend, then we can do even more damage.
0: Yeah. But it's like even usually you don't have to go to real juvie for vandalization. You usually like pay a fine and do community service or something. (laughs) You know? that probably would have taught them a lesson.
1: Yeah. And I I think also in this one, I like that – I like that Mary and Kitty and Lydia are very side characters. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have any growth of their own, but they mm-hmm. also don't really have any stories of their own. They're just there. They're part of the world building. They're part of her life, but mm-hmm. they're not part of this story.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I really like that too. because Honestly, I... Again, I am gonna keep comparing this to other Pride and Prejudice books every year, like I've read, but like they focus so much on the family dynamic where mm-hmm. I'm like this is not really our main concern, right?
1: And the family dynamic at the time that Austen wrote the book
0: mm-hmm.
1: was an extremely crucial part of society in their life, and so much so that if one sister, if you had a fallen sister, as they said it would ruin every other sister. It would ruin the entire family's reputation. And all the other sisters might not even get married just because Mm -hmm. the person wouldn't want to be associated with that family. Whereas now, or even when this book was uh, said to have taken place, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you'd be kind of, you'd feel bad for the family and the girl, but you wouldn't be like, well, I can't date Elizabeth because one of her sisters had issues.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I feel like because of that, it, retellings do a better job if they stay away from the family dynamic especially if they're not going to explore it 100 yeah. percent.
0: yeah for sure i it's so good i did like mrs bennett though i love mrs bennett so funny i like, love
1: how she's constantly like oh are you working again mm-hmm. can't you work on getting a husband instead of working on some stupid law case
0: such like so she's so quick with it too You know, like, her comebacks and, like, are very good in this. Like, when Lydia tries, or sorry, when Lizzie goes and tries to, like, get information out of her mother, like, I feel like a lot of times they try and make Mrs. Bennett look stupid the whole time.
1: She's there for, like, comic relief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, she's still, like, smart. She still kind of knows what's going on with her kids, even if she is, like, a comic relief character. And I like that this one explored that a little bit.
1: It's kind of like what they said in the the 2005 Pride and Prejudice where she was like, when you have five daughters who need to get married, tell me what will occupy occupy your thoughts Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: that's her job. Yeah. Her job as their mother is to get them married so they can have a nice husband and a nice home and somewhere to live because Mm -hmm. if dad dies, they have nothing. Mm Mm-hmm and so yeah she had five daughters that's five daughters that she has to find a future for yeah that occupy Mm -hmm. my thoughts too and i think that because of that she's very observant and very involved in their lives and Mm -hmm. you know it's like she like you said she's often played as dumb or comic relief or even like a joke of a person like oh she only cares about marriage but that was important at that time Mm -hmm. and it it wasn't her being like this shallow person who only cared about marriage. It's that's what was important. That's how she was going to take care of her kids.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Which we actually do see in Sense and Sensibility. Um, we Okay, spoiler alert. If you haven't read Sense and Sensibility, kind of skip five minutes ahead. But mm-hmm. we see that in Sense and Sensibility. Their father dies unexpectedly. And mm-hmm. they're left with nothing because they're women. So his house, his business... His finances, his investments, it all goes to Mm -hmm. their um, estranged half-brother. And he basically is like, look, I'll give you each, like, 500 bucks. Yeah. And they're like, well, like, per month or year? Or he's like, no, 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 no. You just each get $500, and then I never want to see you again. Literally. And they, like, pull their money together, and they're like, okay, well, we found this, like, two-bedroom cottage and then they get there and it's like cottage is a stretch two bedrooms is also a stretch this is yeah. a bedroom and a giant closet but still not big enough to be a bedroom and then it's like all of these you've got like three women sharing a bed because they don't have anywhere else to live mm-hmm. and all of this is because they're women and they weren't married when their father died and so mm-hmm. can you imagine being being mrs bennett and you have to worry about five of these girls. You mm. have to worry about making sure that five of these girls get married. All five of them have to get married before their father dies. Because otherwise, they're destitute and they have nowhere to live and they have no money. Yeah. I'd be pretty worried, too.
0: Especially when your life is in the hands of Collins, of all people.
1: Oh, my goodness, right? And then and then Lizzie refuses to marry him. Yeah. And it's I'd no wonder... And, and again, it's played like, it's played off as like, you just threw away our entire family's opportunity. Mm-hmm. You, you just ruined your sister's lives because now I definitely have to get them married. Before, yeah. Or I might've had a couple extra years. Kitty's only 15 and I still have to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the, books it's kind of played off as like mrs bennett doesn't care about lizzie's happiness or mrs bennett doesn't care about lizzie's independence so she wants to force this marriage on her and it's like it's from a completely different time
0: mm-hmm. for sure and it's i mean honestly thinking about it that way it totally makes sense you know and i you think a lot of- my
1: 20 minute tangent way <laughs>
0: Uh, no I like it it's fine it works because then it's like it it does make you think about it because you're like yeah no I can definitely see why she'd be that way and I just I like nuance retellings where they focus that in a different way yeah because
1: like you know like we said the original Pride and Prejudice what made Lizzie so um ahead of her time what made her such a feminist what made her such a Uh, such an outcast in her society was that she spoke her mind Mm -hmm. and she was hesitant to get married Mm -hmm. whereas at that time a woman of her age her only job was to keep her mouth shut and get married Mm -hmm. turning down any proposal but let alone two I mean that's unheard of it's almost shameful yeah. And so in this book, instead of it being that she doesn't want to get married, like the reason that she's kind of pushing against the norm of society is because she wants a job and not just any job. She wants a job that's only meant for men.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so good. I'm just going to keep saying it.
1: Because it's-, it's good. It's uh-huh. so good. And, you know, I really love the the characters that they included in this. I absolutely mm-hmm. love Darcy
0: yes so like i love darcy so much he like the way he was portrayed in this it's like yeah he was prideful but like he didn't really make jabs about her family at all in this and he didn't like he was more concerned about his standing in business than like making digs at her for being a woman in business
1: right i think also what was great is um one he didn't really care that she was a woman in business Mm -hmm. he just cared that she was in the business like he didn't see her as like a woman who's his competition he was just like why are you my competition had nothing to do with her Mm -hmm. gender um and then two i love the reveal at the end where we find out that like he's just as vulnerable as she is in this Mm -hmm. um in this uh career field because he's got his father's name to live up to Mm -hmm. um and so far he hasn't been able to do so
0: I know I I liked this like because it could have been so easy to make his pridefulness like mansplaining mm-hmm. or like all about gender and Which the way it's been
1: really hard to come back from
0: yeah, yeah yeah and then he could have been like oh he grew and now he knows that you know and like I feel like I would have hated Darcy and I'm glad that we did not make that the focus
1: yeah I would hate to hate Darcy
0: me too Seeing you, Darcy, it would
1: be hard to come back from that. It would be hard as a reader mm-hmm. to listen to him mansplain for like two hundred pages and then forgive him. That wouldn't. I, know. I there'd be too many readers that would be like, "Well, I am never touching a book by her again."
0: Yeah, for sure. And I will say, if you listen to my Sense and Sensibility episodes, my cousin Allison just got a puppy and named him Fitzwilliam.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, I love that. Bingley and Jane met at the hearing <laughs>
1: like, that was so
0: good for me I love that so much
1: I love that I love the connection of Bingley being like the accused yeah and his best friend is a litigator and yet mm-hmm. Lizzie is still running in there like I'll, I'm gonna represent you and he's like no it's cool like my bestie's a lawyer and she's like mm-hmm. but I'm trying to be a lawyer and he's yeah. like "Yeah, well that's Cute, but he is an actual lawyer. Like again, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with her being a woman, though. It's just that yeah, she's yeah. grotesquely underqualified. She has no education. Mm-hmm. She has no references. Um, as far as they know, she has no job experience at all, and she has no casework to or or um, or character references that could say like she's great at this, she's great at that. And she's just walking up, and she's like, "My dad is a lawyer, and I want to be one too." And you're accused of murder, one of the biggest things you could be accused of. Mm -hmm. And instead of going with your bestie who works for this prestigious law firm, you should go with the daughter of this lawyer you've never heard of, who's like barely making ends meet.
0: Yep, and I do like too that it's like not only that, but it's like in order for her to have this beauty, she lied about who she was too. So he's like, what? and it's Didn't like, she say she
1: was his sister or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you're not my sister, and she's like, well, spotted. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, huh?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not so nice.
1: I love the um nod to her purse. I love that she's like always carrying her receptacle. Um, and that they're like talking they're always like what do you have in that thing why do you always that? carry that bag what do you have in there and she's always like pulling out it's like the bag from mary poppins where mm-hmm. she's just like randomly pulls stuff out and they're like what else do you have in there let me like take a peek and see what's going on
0: she's like the murder weapon <laughs> <laughs> i just i love the tampering of evidence because it's like apparently like late 1800s early 1900s or something where they're just like, oh yeah I found this at the crime scene this button and have everyone's like seen, oh yeah have,
1: have you seen John Mullaney he's a comedian mm-hmm. um, and he's hysterical and he has a skit about how easy it was to get away with murder before it was like
0: look yeah. where there was
1: DNA he was like what did they even do they just like walked up to the crime scene and they were like this blood is gross all right what's my hunch? because hmm. there was nothing to go on you couldn't fingerprint you couldn't look at dna mm-hmm. they didn't take enough care for the evidence at all they were just like touching everything and moving mm-hmm. stuff around and um i love how present it is in this one or it's like as long as you oh he says like as long as you weren't still at the murder when the cops got there yeah you were gonna get away with it
0: <laughs> yep and he has like this line too where he's like uh go tell them it was uh oh something. yeah the
1: bank robberies he's like go yeah. tell them it was john and snow and Teddy in the gang and well <laughs> you know what for my patreon people i will insert clips of all of that because you guys know that i love to insert clips um yeah it's just hilarious like what people could have gotten away with before there was such thing as dna or evidence or any of that and i love that lizzie like cares about that stuff and is like Mm -hmm. well that's evidence and they're like Eva, Eva, what what are you talking about and i love that she's constantly like playing detective even though she's supposed to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. she's like well i have to do both obviously obviously the cops aren't gonna do both i have to i have to do both jobs
0: i know she should have been a cop like become a detective she
1: could she could fit in on brooklyn 99 I want to talk about Lady Catherine!
0: Yes! I
1: was so such surprised. an upgrade in this story. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. This is where she really went a different direction. Mm-hmm. This is where she veers, I think, the most from the original and from every other retelling.
0: I know, and I love it so much because it's like, Lady Catherine is such a throwaway character in the original, kind of. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, she... She just shows
1: up a couple of times, stirs the pot, you know, rattles things up and then goes home to her empty house.
0: Mm -hmm. But like for her to be the main villain of
1: this, sorry, I was just petting my dog and he's like asleep and he just kicked my hand and it like scared me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Lady Catherine, the bitch. Um
0: Yeah, I, I really think that like having her as the main villain is such a good change. Because it's like, everyone's really connected through her, but she doesn't do anything.
1: Yeah. Well, but- and in this one, I w- I was because I know it's a retelling, I was waiting for the reveal that she was his aunt.
0: I know, me too.
1: And so when that didn't come, I was like, so does that mean he's the bad guy? Like, are they connected in that way? And I was like, no, she's just... She's the bad guy and she's not connected to the story in any other way other than she be bad, yo.
0: Yeah. But I do like those that they made a powerful woman baddie.
1: Uh-huh. Like I love that. And I love that she like she's cool with being a baddie, but she's also like she comes up to Lizzie and she's like, I love strong, powerful women. Mm-hmm. You are a strong, powerful woman. Let's do this together. Let's be besties. Yeah. I got you, you got me. We could be super successful. And Lizzie's mm-hmm. like, Yeah, but like, I want to follow the law. And Catherine is basically like, You're so naive.
0: Yeah, Catherine's <laughs> like,
1: Ew, boring. Okay, never mind. <laughs> She's like, Oh, that's adorable. You
0: want to be, you don't want to break the law. Caught to me in 20 years, girl. Which, like, respect it. Because, like, in this, it's, it's like, it sounded like Lady Catherine's previous husband wasn't. A huge deal, like they're like, yeah, he was a knight, but like, so I feel almost like it like kind of was
1: a joke. What almost like he was a joke in their yeah. society,
0: yeah. I also kind of feel like maybe that implied that he w- didn't leave her with any money, and it's like she's probably at that age where it's like you can't really marry again. You know, yeah. you can't really do anything. Well, who so- are you going to
1: marry? Who's available at that age? Yeah. Divorce wasn't common. So what do you You're going to find another widower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, I also feel like it's obviously not explained, but like, I love to make headcanons for what happens to people. Mm-hmm. Um, Like I have this whole headcanon for uh Torin that like he was in love and had this beautiful fiance and she died of the plague and that's why he like dedicates his life to serving the emperor so yeah i told marissa about that and she was like what i (laughs) "I don't know i just wanted a backstory for for Torin, and i know he's Mm -hmm. married to his work but i wanted him to have like some kind of love so i was like tragedy um so for me lady catherine I kind of feel like Lady Catherine is one of those like really sad stories. Like she thought she had this wonderful life of luxury and happiness and then her husband dies and it turns out they're poor, destitute, and they owe lots of people, lots of money mm-hmm. and no one liked her husband. He was basically a joke or a crook and she's got nothing. She has no money, no home and nothing but his last name. Yep. And so I like to think that, like, that happened to her. And she was like, you know what? I don't need to have his last name. What's important is my first name. And that's what mm-hmm. everybody's going to know me by. And she's the one who's like, you tell them it was Lady Catherine. You yeah. know, she's proud of what she does. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make her a good guy. I don't want this to sound like I'm like, yeah, Lady Catherine's cool, you guys. Um, but in this particular context,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Wickham just got a little carried away.
0: Yeah. uh." And, like, I do like the idea of, like, Wickham being an actual bad guy.
1: Oh, I love it. Because Wickham is a bad guy. Mm -hmm. In the original, they kind of play it off as, like, this misfortune and misunderstanding. And after he marries Lydia, he comes to Lizzie and he's like, well, you're my sister now. And she's like, and you're my brother. Let's let bygones be bygones." And I'm like, no. No. Dude was sketch.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But I do like the subtle, like, her picking up on it in this story. Like, yeah. she doesn't give herself credit for it at the end, but like, she totally was like keeping things from him because she's like, hmm, I don't know, I don't want to give them all the information. Yeah, she and was
1: shiggith. Yeah, so it shooketh. Shooketh. <laughs> she didn't know. trust him, and she was she was like, I'm gonna keep some of my bullets a little closer to the chest. And I think that was, um, I think that was definitely a good decision on her part. And also part of it was that she didn't want him to be competition she Mm -hmm. was genuinely concerned about giving him the information and then him sort of swooping in at the last minute and being like look I solved the case look at all this work I did it's actually all of her work and all of her hunches and all of her evidence and all of the uh, information that she gathered and the theories that she gathered and then he's just taking credit for it
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my favorite part we had the modern 2005 hand flex which is they had a little kiss that's at the court room and i was like yes that was so great i also loved the scene where he was like afraid of the
1: dark <laughs> she's yes! like you're afraid of the dark and he's like oh yeah because people like the dark
0: yeah like- <laughs> he's like claustrophobic and- i
1: thought love- it was so funny she was just like if anything she was like the one teasing him in that moment mm-hmm. she was like so you're uh afraid of the dark are you and he's like shut up
0: <laughs> literally so good so funny no, I love it so much this everything about this book is perfect I would not change a single thing
1: everything so about the sequel that I've read so far is perfect and I cannot wait for all of these retellings because I know she said she's doing more mm-hmm um and i feel like she she so she did an episode with marissa and i feel like she made a list of all of the ones that she was going to um do like the name of all of them Mm -hmm. and i can't remember what the names were gonna be
0: it's gonna have to start i'm gonna have to start whittling away on my jane austen readings then because i mean i bought emma and persuasion i
1: love emma yeah
0: i talked with so good yeah i talked with the Wit beyond measure podcast and that we did clueless i haven't read emma yet though so like i get a basic understanding from like what we discussed on there but i really want to read it (laughs) i'm so excited i absolutely
1: love emma i can't wait to see what she does with a matchmaker um god that's so exciting i'm looking up i can't find it now but i swear she the episode she did with marissa on happy writer podcast i swear she said something about like all the fun names they had come up with Mm. oh well i'm sure it's out
0: there somewhere so it finds it just send it to us
1: yeah i'm like googling it and that's
0: not helping me i don't think i have anything else to mention
1: just that it's great and everyone mm-hmm. should read it um, and check out the sequel when it comes out in April.
0: Yes. And
1: um, she was on, Terza Price, the author, was on an episode of Happy Writer Podcast with Marissa. So you can go check that out for more information about her as a writer and her process and these books and where her inspiration came from.
0: Yeah. And read it. Just read it, buy it, love it, enjoy it. Yes chat about it because i want to talk about it
1: what should we say at the
0: end um Mm.
1: i always do like a warning on mine oh yeah yeah be cool don't do murder yeah well like the twilight ones that my sister and i've been doing we say don't get bitten (laughs) Mm. um i don't know don't let a boy take credit for your work Don't let anyone take credit for your work. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl or non-binary. Don't let Mm -hmm. anyone take credit for your hard work.
0: Um, Be a strong, independent woman.
1: Don't mess with the evidence.
0: Yeah, stop tampering with the evidence. evidence.
1: That stuff is important. Mm -hmm. And I will insert the clip at the end of this episode of John Mulaney being hilarious for all of my listeners, but don't mess with evidence. That stuff is important.
0: Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) all right well that's all i've got thank Thank you you. for joining me i will put all your links in the description of this episode uh for all my patreon members who have not listened to the prince kai fan pod yet uh but definitely should so please (laughs) go listen to it uh because you chat about marissa meyer and And it's it's delightful Um,
1: And for my Patreon listeners, I will do the same for Barely Bookish Podcast, where you can find all of your favorite classic literature uh, stories come to life and reimagined. And yeah, until next time, don't mess with evidence. That's what I got for you. Sounds good. We'll catch you all later. (laughs) Bye. Bye.